Welcome back to The Running Pod from Trackster. We're delighted to say that this podcast is brought to you by Right Track Sports, market leaders in securing talented athletes a place in the NCAA. So if you're looking to combine education with track and field, or you want to follow the illustrious list of track and field stars that have competed in the NCAA, then Right Track Sports is for you. They work with elite athletes from Finley McClear, Amber Anning and Davisha Patterson, to name just a few. On average, Right Track athletes receive a scholarship of over $50,000. Their results are tested and proven to get the very best for you. If you're considering your options, whether that's looking for how you can keep pursuing that Olympic dream, or even if you want to extend your athletics career, visit rtrecruit.com and inquire today to see how Right Track can help you. That's rtrecruit.com. Or you can visit their Instagram page. They're at righttrack underscore sports and message them today. Back to the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Okay. So welcome back to the running podcast. I'm here with international swimmer, sorry, runner, Finley McClear. Um, we'll get onto that in a second. Yeah, brilliant banter. It's definitely not been said before. Um, would you like to introduce yourself before we get into, into today's podcast? Yeah, sure. So my name is Finn McClear. I am uh, a 800 meter runner from England, Devon to be specific, and currently studying out in the US in my third year at the univers- or Miami University, Ohio. Um, yeah. I just got another, uh, sorry, I just want to add another joke in there. Did you say you're an 800 runner? Don't you mean yeah. 770 meter runner? Is, is that yeah. what you meant? Yeah. Okay. You're just so far behind as well. It's like, yeah, I know. Dead at this point. <laughs> Um, what else have I got? What else have I got? Did you get used to running in water when you were steeplechasing? So you Fingers, sort of wanted to replicate nah, you've that. Be, you've been thinking of these for ages. So I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna like allow them. You've just been. You've been planning these for so long for like the last year, and they're, they're still shit. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you gotta be better than this. You're actually um, two-time gold medalist, uh, the NCAA and the Europeans. How how does that feel? Well, for the 770 meters. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's dead. I'm stopping now. I'm stopping now. Um, yeah, I said that. Honestly, Rory, not you. Well, I'm sorry. This is what you're gonna get. Um, <laughs> yeah, who's, who's Rory? I know. I can't say that. I'm no idea. <laughs> Leonard. Um, so I don't even know what to. I throw myself off now with that dead banner. Can I, I just move? To- by, I want to start by saying something. Sorry, Al. Sure, I, uh, all right completely misjudged this as well because when I thought you were from this shows my knowledge when I thought you were from Miami University one of my questions could be like what's the beaches like what's the sunlight and I've just you just said Miami University Ohio I've been googling I'm like yeah I've completely got this wrong so it's not it's a like mistake it's a common mistake that's I, that I didn't know for a while honestly I like I first started getting emails from like and saying you know Miami University interest I'm like oh that is that is ideal and obviously find out like it's in ohio in like the middle america and it's farms and corn and like there's no beaches it's it does get warm to be fair it does get it does get pretty warm but like so you didn't know so i was gonna say you arrived in america knowing that you weren't going to be by the beach it wasn't like you got there and you're like guys (laughs) i'm definitely in the wrong place like look this is miami beaches like Thankfully, uh, I wasn't that misled. I think I think it'd be worried if I was like that. Would have been starting off on the wrong foot, but they they weren't that they weren't that mean to me. Oh, that's right. Right. 
I don't even know where to go from it. How is training in Miami at the minute, Miami, Ohio? And also, how is racing in America compared to the UK? How does it differ? Training's, training's decent. Um, I have, I, I mean, I obviously, like, in terms of, they kind of link hand in hand with the racing being earlier and the season starting earlier, especially with COVID and things, you know, it's America, they don't really care. So things have kind of stayed open and the opportunities have stayed there. So I, my, since my racing started quite early, my recent training block has probably been my most intense. Um, I've raced on the weekend for our conference Mid-American Championships, but before then I hadn't raced for three weekends in a row. So training's been going well, been getting some good blocks in, which is nice. Um, it is nice to have a break from the racing. It's nice to just actually focus on training and know you're getting stronger and fitter. And I think it's it's easy saying that now, obviously when everyone had a year of racing, it was kind of like, this sucks. But I mean, that's probably why it's probably why people are running so well now. It's because everyone's just had such like a massive block of training and you kind of appreciate training a bit more and, and what it can do for you. So yeah, training's going really well. Um, of course, always dealing with a little bit of niggles and injuries and maintaining your body, but that's just comes with the sport. And uh, yeah, racing's, racing's fun, man. Uh, obviously, uh, glad for like you boys and everyone else back in the UK that's finally getting to race again with all these BMCs I've been seeing. But uh, I had had a pretty intense indoor season, which obviously a lot of people missed out on back home. But that was good fun. Uh, the best thing, the relays. The relays are so fun. Like the DMRs we were doing, the distance medley relays, uh, the traveling. Like This is the most I've traveled since being here. So we were going to like, Obviously, Arkansas for the national champs, but we're going to like North Carolina as well, flying out to a lot of these meets. And it, it just it adds that sort of like team atmosphere and like the like banter. And it doesn't just become like, oh, I'm going to drive up to this meet in Birmingham, race a BMC and then drive back the same day. Like, it's just more of an event, I feel like. It's less of just one sort of intense race. And there's a whole atmosphere around it. Um, and into outdoor racing, started off in North Carolina, um, opened my season up with like a 147 and a win in the 800. Was down at Ole Miss, racing your boy, actually I didn't get to race him, but with your boy Schmolders, the, <laughs> the West Fly crew. Um, and 800 there as well, one, 146.5 and, and then another win. And then, so that was back in like April, start of April. And then I had three weeks off. Um, and then had our conference championships this weekend, which was like the most fun. Like it was our home meet. So we were hosting. So it was nice, like being able to sleep in your own bed, preparing like the ways you want to prepare. And then it's just such like a team atmosphere. Like it was obviously a bit tougher because this year it's like limited spectators and stuff, but like it was still such a good atmosphere. We were like 70 point underdogs going into it to win the team title. Um, and we ended up going into the four by four, the last event winning by one point all we had to do was beat uh, Akron University. And uh, I was in the 400. I was in the third leg. Handed off just in second. Our boy just missed. As Akron crossed, they all started celebrating and completely wiped out the rest of the runners. And uh, they got DQ'd. So we took home the 4 by 4 win. We took home the team title. And it, it was a great way to end the like regular season that we have here. Winning by default, that must be nice. Um, didn't you drop a? Didn't, didn't you drop a naughty split in that four by four? Or am I imagining? Uh, 
Un- unofficially 46-4. Um, so I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, that gets you into some championships in the 400, doesn't it? So that's yeah. pretty decent. Yeah. Something wrong with good confidence. How, how have you gone from being a steeplechaser to being this fast of a runner? Like, what changed? Like, why were you doing steeplechase when you can drop this speed on a four and eight? Oh, the first reason I got into steeple was because um, my coach really only had a, a couple of us in Devon, and one of them was Will Battershield. Yeah. And he was winning, like, pretty much most English school steeplechases. He went out to Columbia for the World Juniors or the World Youths for 2K steeple. And so he was sort of a bit of an inspiration for me. My coach obviously was clearly doing well with a steepler. So I was like, I'll give it a go. And it's good. It's a good fun event as well. I mean, the 15 steeple is great fun. It's not brutal like the 3K steeple. Like the distance is manageable. You've got some barriers and some jumps there. So it, was, it sort of just was working out that way. And I was also successful in it for a bit. But as the distance increases and at the time, like back in like 2017, um, before I was like looking at coming out here, I was kind of not really that focused on athletics. I'd kind of, as most teenagers do, I just wanted to like enjoy my life and kind of do other things. So I sort of lost the, the, the big training base that you need to be successful in steeple. And then coming out here to the US pretty much instantly, I, I was dealing with injuries and niggles. And again, just couldn't really build that base and couldn't really get after the training needed to go and run 3K. Um, so it's just honestly the way it played out. I, I looked at what was realistic and what was manageable race-wise back in 2019. And that was the European under uh, yeah, under 2800 time. Yeah. And so... I, I gave myself a focus and that's pretty much all it was. I didn't necessarily think I was going to go run the time, like the 148 time to go and qualify. And I didn't necessarily think I was going to come top three in such a stacked distance, but I just gave myself something to motivate me for, something to aim for, something to actually give me a reason to train. And things have just sort of fallen into place since then. Did you move out to the US after the 800 or was it before? Because I'm. It was before. They, I got recruited for steeple since both my coaches uh, were professional steeplers back in their day. So they sort of saw us doing stuff in the steeple and they're like, this is sort of what we want. So it wasn't until my freshman year in the US where I moved to 800s. Got you. How, how did that process sort of go? Because didn't you go with right track sport? Is that is that how you handled going out to the US? How was that sort yeah. of process? They're, they're honestly brilliant. And like the, I never necessarily wanted to go out to the US. Um, again, my training partner teammate whatever will Bashield. he got kind of lucky he was at a race harvard coach was there and sort of just recruited him he didn't necessarily have any attention so i'd seen him go out so i did have it in the back of my head a bit but it actually came about um because in two, 2017 again i wasn't necessarily in the best shape i'd kind of sold myself short i went to uh english schools for the 2k steeple the year before i'd won the 15 steeple so i was like i you know i have a good chance to go for the win and I did miserable. I came like 10th, probably ran like a 6.22k time, which is just crap. And so after that, I was walking about, walking about the 10th, and I bumped into Jonathan Alori from Right Track. And that sort of sparked, like, the way he sold it to me sort of sparked the, the, the fire that I needed to be like, okay, like, if I want to do this as, a, <clears throat> as like a career, if I want to be a bit more successful in it than where I am now, maybe it is time to make the move. Um, 
and so from there I was talking to them they were super helpful they sort of they've all been to the US so they sort of give you their experiences um, and they just they tell you how it is and how it is it was obviously very differing based on personal experiences of people who have been out here but for the most part they all had something that <clears throat> that they, they enjoyed and that really added like some sort of brilliant experience to their life and that just really put it in perspective like it's not necessarily just a running and or a sporting experience you're going to gain from coming here but it's a whole life experience that isn't necessarily better than one in the UK like it's not necessarily better than going to Loughborough or going to Birmingham wherever but it's just something that the majority of people our age don't get to experience so if you have the chance there why not take it um do you think you'd have then, yeah do you think you'd have done it and gone out to the States if it wasn't for uh, Jonathan and Laurie from Right Track Guys coming up and speaking to you? Or do you think it was them, them making that initial contact that really pushed you into it? Uh, no, probably not. I'd definitely say it's a mixture of their enthusiasm and their sort of passion for it. Um, and the fact that my results at the time were going downhill. Like, I wasn't racing very well. I wasn't really enjoying training. And at that stage, you kind of need something new to switch that motivation and to like reignite whatever fire got you into it into the first place. But yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was, I'm not sure I would have looked at even coming out here if it wasn't for them. And how did it come about that you ended up at Miami, Ohio? <laughs> not Miami, Florida. <laughs> um, or did you have, like, I don't know, did you have a, a few that you could choose from or how did it work? I, because of my results, I didn't necessarily have like a, I spoke to quite a few different colleges and universities, no like major universities that sort of stuck out um, in terms of like their, their being like powerhouses. Um, so I was kind of lacking on that front, but honestly, at the same time, like the way that uh, my recruiting coach at the time, Deshaun Turner, who's now pretty much my, my coach, um, was just so invested and uh, so just sort of knowledgeable about me, sort of really drew to this program. It's not like a lot of other coaches were really, and I've said this to like a bunch of people who I've talked about coming to the US, a lot of coaches don't care that much. They just need numbers. Like it's awesome for them to have you to come and you might do well, you might not. They don't really care. Uh, if you do well, great for the program. If you don't, then they can find someone else to do what you want to do. But with Deshaun and Miami, it was sort of, we want to improve you. We want to make you better. Like, we see potential. Um, we see what we think we can bring out of you, and we want that to happen. So we're going to be fully invested in you, and hopefully, because we're fully invested in you, you're going to return, like, whatever awards and trophies to our program. So I think I was just very much drawn in by their investment to me. Do you got any more on that, Josh? Or um, I know I've got loads of questions, but we could be here all day. How you know? I've, maybe some people might be interested in in understanding how it practically, you know, works. And obviously, I'm sure there's loads you could explain in detail. But how does it practically work then? From you chatting to to the to the guy from Right Track on that on that race day to you get into Miami and starting. So, in terms of like the practical side. I spoke to Right Track, I got a bit interested, and then 
you almost sort of like sign a deal with Right Track that they're going to represent you and they're going to help you find, uh, they're going to help you find a college. They're going to help you with your SATs, um, whatever exams you need to take to be able to get into them as well. And from there on, they pretty much, I don't know if there's a like a portal or a website that they put your name on and all the coaches can go to. Um, and they look up, you know, your times. They ask, like, right track asks you to send in videos. So I'm assuming the coaches look at videos as well. And um, for a fact, I know they look at videos. And then they sort of tell right track whether or not they're interested in you. And right track will pass that message on. And I think I had a lot of times where I had emails from right track saying, like, this, this college is interested, this coach is interested. But it never really went further than that. And a lot of times I had tell me like this coach is interested i'm just going to give you his number and you guys can go from there because they're already interested like heavily interested so from there once you have these coaches talking to you and these programs that are interested it's kind of it's not up to you but like it it's your responsibility to make those connections understand what the program's like and how things work at that school uh, what the university is like as a whole really get to know these coaches and talk to them um and the coaches will then tell you whether or not pretty much not straight away you might have a few different conversations but they will tell you whether or not like they're going to offer you a scholarship how much that scholarship might might be um and again up to you from there right track are going to give you their opinion if you ask for it like if you say like i want to i'm debating between x y and z colleges which one do you think is best? They're going to help you, but it, it really is. It's up to you from that point to be like, hey, this is where I want to go. Like, these are the schools that I know I'm getting scholarship from. So these are the schools I want to debate from. And then I want to choose this school because of their coaching, because of their facilities, whatever it may be. Um, and there used to be a signing deadline. So it used to be quite like a rush process, but thankfully they got rid of the signing deadline. So you do have a bit longer to make that decision now, which I think it, it would have helped me personally. Um, or maybe not, who knows, but it can help a lot of people who may be a bit more undecided, if that um, explains it better. Yeah, because to be honest, I don't really understand the whole process. Like, it seems a bit mad to me. Like, the whole NCAA is a bit scary, I think. Um, but it sounds, obviously, based off the results this year and the last year, it's definitely been the right decision for you. Um, so I just wanted to take it back to the NCAAs, the 800 metres. What was going through your head? that last lap because it was quite a sloppy race. So I just want to know, how does it feel obviously making the final and then being in the lead and how, how was, how was all that for you? Well, I went in, I went in ranked fourth. So obviously you expect to make the final, but because the standard is so high and I think it's two automatic, maybe three automatic from each heat. Um, and then fastest losers. It's is It's like, there's a very good chance if I slip up that I'm not even making the final like of an event that I'm ranked fourth going into. So the heats always, the heats suck. They're just so intense. That's where all the nerves build up. That's when they're like anxiety really gets you. But once, once I sort of got a feel for the race and the heat and I pretty much just did what I'd done every single race, just stuck to my plan, made it through with Hunter in my race and got out of that. And I was like, that felt like super comfortable. I feel like I can keep that pace. Um, I feel like I can pick it up at the end as well because we're sort of easing into the end of it. 
and that really just gave me that confidence boost like there is no need to be nervous there's no need to doubt myself because I know that I'm capable of like competing with these guys and matching whatever they have to offer tomorrow so when the final comes along and like it gets out reasonably well people talk about it as like slow getting out but I mean 52 indoors it was like 52 high but 52 indoors is hardly slow everyone is obviously such like a high level and in that race everyone was pretty similar like time-wise there wasn't necessarily like a massive drop-off especially at the top six so it was just so bunched that that Arkansas track is fast but it is it's intense like it feels very small like it kind of cramps in on you so everyone was pushing and shoving and I don't mind a bit of pushing and shoving personally I don't know I don't it doesn't really bode well in America. I think it's frowned upon a bit more, but I think like back home in the UK, we're used to like, especially across country, being like um, English schools and stuff, we're used to a bit more fixed racing. So I'd find I think it a bit more, got me to like the mindset I needed to be. And I, uh, I remember hitting 400 to go and thinking like, oh, I'm like, an ideal position we're about fourth right now the pace was fine i just need to stick at this one lap and just wait to make my move come on the next lap 600 like 119 like okay, everyone is still here this is what we expected just make sure you don't get caught made a move around hunters behind me made that move on a little bit of acceleration to take Lost him? Have you lost him? Yeah, I lost him. Yeah, I was the, we just get into the main, just get into the best bit. Should we, should we carry on talking? See if he rejoins. Uh, I think he was coming out yeah. a bit there. So just to give some context, I pretty much he was just saying if he just left off saying he was going on to the last lap and Hunter was behind him. Yeah, uh, other and then than he that, was. yeah, other than that, I can't, rem- I can't really remember what I could make out from the fuzziness. So I do yeah. apologise. Um, I don't know what else to say quickly. Briefly, while he joins back, I wonder if his nose is being kicked yet or lost connection. I hope um, he still himself. That would be class. When, Joe, when he was talking about the uh, the pushing on, on the YouTube video, it was saying, oh, that guy from Miami is, is doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know how to race. And I watched it and he, he wasn't. He was he was fine. But some people in the comments were saying that it was his fault, that it was like a pushy-shovey race. He's um, dead. That's what, lad, that's what lads from Devon are like, mate. Always shoving, shoving around. Farmers, aren't they? Like shoving, the same, same club as Jake Smith, I believe. Is it? Oh, well, actually, no, so. they ain't. I was talking to uh, Finn and he said he reckons that they're probably the fastest 800 marathon duo uh, training group in the world. But then you've probably got an Emerin team who probably trained together who could probably question that but you know um, let's suggest we could we got the influence we could suggest it to nn running team as a potential exhibition um do you you know and you know this is a question i got for you uh oh it's all right he's back i think he's back back. you had us on a cliffhanger uh american wi-fi i mean needs to be sorted out bottom tier (laughs) No, I'm on my hotspot now. Hopefully that's gonna work a bit better. Yeah, I can hear you fine. I think I yeah. yeah. Take sorry. us back. 
Take us back to where you were. Take us back. You just to got the... to the last lap, but there was only two. Yeah. Little acceleration, little acceleration round. Yeah. Past all the boys, and it's as much as I thought I could win. I didn't expect it to have the lead with a hundred to go. Yeah. And it's one thing chasing people. Um, it's another thing having an open track, just you leading, and trying to maintain like your mental focus, your concentration. Uh, and to really like just remember all the things, all the little cues you might have that you know, get you to that situation. So I came off the bend in the game. I was like, why am I still in the lead with 50 to go? <laughs> like, I was expecting someone to chase, like someone to be up with me. And it was the same situation. You never want to look back. So I was a bit unaware of what was happening behind me. Like, I was like, I know someone's going to come back. I don't know who it is, but surely like someone is going to be pushing me. And I think in that moment with about like 30, 40 meters to go, I would say I just, I switched off. I, I didn't necessarily like, it's not that I was like thinking I was going to lose or that I was, I was going to, I was giving up or anything. I just, I just switched off and I, I stopped doing like, I stopped thinking of the little mental cues I have to make sure that my turnover is right. And that I've got a bit of forward lean and making sure that the things that keep me running fast. And in that because of that, in that moment, by the time I had realised that Hunter was right there, right on my shoulder with like 10 minutes to, to go, it, it was kind of too late. It's hard to react in that situation. He's the one with the momentum coming past me, and I'm the one who has to then react to that and and make sure I re-pick it back up. So I kind of feel like I, I completely screwed myself over and that I really I lost it for myself. No, I don't mean this in any disrespect to any of those other guys, and I didn't win. So it's hard for me to go and say that I'm better than them because I, I came second. But I truly believe I was still the best in that race. But I just, a few mental lapses and switching off to concentration is what lost it for me. So I believe I lost it myself rather than other people beating me. Um, so it, it really was a tough one to swallow. Like, obviously, neither of us knew. When, when we both crossed and we're waiting for the clock and it's a long time to wait. It felt like forever. But a part of me knew I'd lost it. A part of me, like, we were waiting and I was like, I, I know he's got me. Like, I know I, I switched off then and he dipped me and I should have dipped earlier. I should have do dove over the line. I should have done more and I know I didn't. And so it was kind of a painful wait because I, I was just awaiting the reality that happened and that was him beating me by hundred of a second and no matter how good the time was it was it was just a bit of a kick in the teeth really like i had done all that work put myself there and that's the result that happened but everything's a learning experience we've got outdoors coming up and you know hopefully i can make sure i don't make the same mistakes well i was i was gonna say like before the champs no one would have thought anyone could have challenged charlie even like joe like from the outside you'd think charlie would have an easy an easy win not an easy win because it's 800, but you know what I mean? Like a dominant, a dominant yeah, yeah, finals. So like seeing you like that, actually being the only person who challenged him. And like you said, I think you probably were the best runner on the day. It was just the last 40 meters executed wrong. That was the difference. But I mean, you've got to take something, some confidence away from that since though he's literally pretty sure the Australian record holder now indoors for 800. And yeah. you just, you know, that fast in the final, on 
possibly a short track. I know, but um, I'm joking. It's not short. But I was interested. I think it's long, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe 143. Do you think you ran? Possibly. Um, I was interested. That you said about mental cues and stuff to like keep you clear. I've never heard that before. So you're right talking a bit about that for a second because I've never, I've never heard of anyone say anything related to that before. Yeah, of course. I mean, for me, like a lot of the time doing strides or any speed work, usually stuff that's not intense because obviously the, the harder the effort is and the, the session may be, the less likely you are to be really thinking things through during training. But when I'm just doing like speed, some light speed work or strides, there's a lot of things that I know I do that help me like keep my turnover up and, and help me produce a bit more power and so whilst I'm doing these I think about these make sure I like note them down and I have a mental note of how I can sort of activate it how I can make sure that like not necessarily it's not like super advanced where I'm like oh I need to think about using this muscle to make me do this it's more just I know I need to like make sure of like pay attention that I'm, I'm dipping like I have a bit of a forward lean um pay attention to what I'm doing with my like snappiness of my feet. Like, am I actively thinking about trying to get my feet back down to the ground as quickly as possible? Or am I just sort of going through the motions? And so once I really sort of discover what, what these things are and, and how like I do them in strides and what I need to think about to do them in strides, it's the same thing when it comes to the last hundred in a race or the last 200, it's like, this is what I do when I'm running at maximal speed during training. So this is what I need to do right now when I'm finishing a race. Like I shouldn't be thinking about who's coming up on me because it shouldn't matter. I should back myself enough that I know I have the better speed in the race and a better finishing ability where if I'm just thinking about myself, uh, I'm making sure that I'm keeping myself on point and on, 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 on track, then I'll be fine. So it, it's sort of developing it, noting it in training where possible and then implementing it in races when it starts getting tough and you start to feel yourself you know slowing down a bit making sure that you just stay focused and switch on to what, what the things that got you here in the first place that's really interesting i'm going to give that a go because uh, i feel like that could help a lot and it also helps you keep concentrated because i feel that's a big thing especially in the longer distances it's keeping concentration is probably one of the biggest reasons why you start falling off the pace so I think that's really cool. I'm definitely yeah, going to try that. Um, so coming second, indoors, obviously goals for outdoors has to be first because you can't go, you can't really go backwards and the only, only thing forward is first. So I get I get that that's the first, but sort team in terms of the rest of your collegiate career and then moving on from there, I know it's quite far away away, but what sort of the ideal next four years for you, obviously considering uh, the Olympics as well? Yeah, no, get through, well, we've got uh, the regionals, so the qualification for nationals comes up in two weeks, so I've got to qualify from the, re uh, the East regionals to make it to nationals, which it should be comfortable if I execute right, which I, I hopefully I will execute right, I make nationals, and then we go after our nationals. In terms of the long-term plan, obviously, British champs coming up, the Olympic trials are two weeks after NCAAs. So that sort of gives me enough time to fly back straight after the NCAs. 
hopefully not have to quarantine because I'm fully vaccinated. So hopefully I can get out of that. I'm not sure yet though. And then see what I can do at British Champs. You know, there's no point. There's no point going and doubting myself or necessarily even putting too big of expectations. Like NCAs is the main goal for right now. And whatever I can do at British Champs is whatever I'm capable of that time. I'm not going to get any fitter in those two weeks from NCAs to British Champs, you know. So I just got to go out there and back myself and test myself and see what I'm capable capable of. Um, Long-term goal, you know, I've still got, I think I've still got two years left of eligibility. So I redshirted a year and I've got a COVID year. So everyone, because of last year, got back a year of eligibility. Whether or not I really want to use, like, two more years is another thing but I definitely want to come back next year and you know sort of do more than just the 800 like I don't want to be boxed into just this 800 runner I want to go and be able to prove myself on the collegiate scene that I can be a good 15 runner or even maybe be a good four runner I don't know but be a good 15 runner or four runner or in some other event and show that I'm not just you know this one trick pony who's just good at the eight but doesn't have the mental capacity to do a 1500 or doesn't have the speed to do a 400. Um, and I think it's a lot better to test myself on the collegiate scene before I move up to the pro scene. Like I'd rather test myself again in the 15 against collegiates to see what I'm capable of before completely throwing myself into the deep end versus some of the best in the world who do it as their day job in events that I'm not that comfortable with. So yeah, definitely seeing out that and then after my fourth year, after I've, I've got my degree and I've done what I can do in the NCA, you know, I, I want to make a living out of running. Like who, who doesn't really? Like, I think we're all in the same boat with like, we love what we do. It's enjoying. We love training. We love the, the social side of it as well. Like the traveling, the people you get to meet, everything that brings. Like, I want to do this for a long time. So hopefully I can obviously secure whatever contract I can get and start performing on the big stage start proving my worth against the best in the world start making life experiences through running start get to you know traveling to all these insane diamond leagues that are in everywhere from morocco to california um it, it just sounds like a fun life it sounds exciting uh i i like like you know morgan mcdonald's got his youtube he hasn't really done much recently but Watching someone like him and watching his YouTube, it, his life just looks fun. It looks like something I want to do. So that is the overall aim, just to make a, a living, being very good at what I do, and getting to reaping all the benefits and the rewards that are going to come with it. I'm pretty sure you you were supposed to film a YouTube video for us. I'm not sure if that's if that's right information, but I'm pretty sure that's what you've said in the past. So first of all, where's that? Huh? Me? Yeah, I thought that's what you said. Didn't you say a few, few yeah, months ago? A few months ago. I don't, I don't think Or I like a year ago now. I'm pretty sure you did. I, feel, nah, I think you I said. Think this was, I don't know. I remember having a conversation back in. Do you know what? I was actually working um, I was working in an Amazon warehouse. And I'm pretty sure we're having it then. It stunk. It was like a free. I get. I had to start work at 3 a.m. And I finished at like 12. It was miserable. But I needed the money. Right. I can't remember where I was. We were talking about British champs, weren't we? And goals for the season and stuff like that. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Next question. Then we got kicked off Zoom. Uh, I'll I'll add it from here. So this is now on the podcast again. Um, something I did want to ask, and I don't know how much you can give away. 
what is your training like? In, on a, what's a standard week look like for you in terms of strength work, speed work, aerobic work? What what can you lay it out for us, or is that some some confidential information? Uh, it's too it's too top tip. I can't give away that information. Charlie Hunter might be listening. <laughs> no, I, don't so. give what, I don't give my people like obviously you don't want to give away everything, but some people are way too secretive on their training. Like I think they're worried. Like just because someone does your training doesn't mean they're gonna get the same results. But uh, so our typical week usually is um, Monday. This is, I'll go through a track season because obviously cross is going to be different, but Monday is a sort of light run, uh, like four or five miles for me, and then strides, like speed work, accelerations, those sort of things, working on, on like developing that pure like maximal speed. Um, and then we'd have a, a lift afterwards, some strength work afterwards. Um, that's one of the, the big things about being here, any college in the US, is that we have like a lifting instructor, like a strength coach, and we have all the facilities needed to do it. <clears throat> so like we get some really quality strength sessions in that I don't think I would get in back home. Um, Tuesday, normally a session in there. Recently, the aerobic stuff has dipped a bit. It's still there, but it's dipped a bit. So um, sort of session aerobically, trying to keep it light, nothing too intense, but even something like a broken tempo, like a five minutes, four minutes, three, three, two, one, something as simple as that, just to make sure that we're still like working with that aerobic stuff. So I don't lose it completely, but not trying to overdo it. Like I don't want to be super sore or super tired from the aerobic work I'm doing. Um, that might just be like a, a small example of something we're doing sort of towards like now, like peak season for racing. Wednesday, uh, for me, probably like a bike. Um, a lot of people on our team would do a, a midweek long run, so like around eight miles. But uh, since I'm not too focused on mileage recently, I'd probably go on the bike for about an hour, hour and a half, just to yep. make sure I'm, I'm thinking aerobically and a bit of active recovery as well. Thursday would be back to a light run, five miles, um, Oh, sorry, Wednesday as well. We lift Monday and Wednesday, so we'd have a, another lift Wednesday. Thursday, back to like another like four or five miles. And we might do some like mini hurdles or hurdle walkovers, some sort of mobility work for your, your hip, flexor, hip flexors and some just like activation stuff to make sure you're remembering how to use different muscles. Friday, probably another session in them. This could be something, I mean, obviously depending on racing, racing comes a lot but say we're not racing friday like a hard session uh this might be something like uh broken 500s so you do like 300s uh probably race pace maybe a bit quicker 60 seconds off 200 not maximal but slightly sub maximal and then three minutes off and you sort of do like five sets of those and cut your way down as well so an example of this might be i think i did this like two weeks ago Started at like 44, got down to 37 for the 300s and 28 down to like 25, 24-ish for the, for the 200s. Um, but plenty of recovery between sets as well. So like four to five minutes between sets, probably, well, three to four minutes between sets. And then Saturday, um, again, would be like a, another sort of five, six miles light recovery run to get over Friday session and then Sunday long run. 
which, again, for me, not necessarily long running at the minute. Um, my mileage isn't very high now I'm in peak season, so I probably bike get two bikes in a day or two bikes in a week. Sorry, so this would be like another hour to two hour bike ride. Yeah. Um, that's 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 a very like standard typical. It it changes so much. Like this week, I'm doing. I did a session Wednesday. I'm doing one tomorrow, and I'm doing one Sunday. So I've got three sessions in, all on different days. Thought I just said. Um, it really depends on. There's a lot of individualized based training here, so it really depends on who you are, what your race schedule looks like, how your body's feeling, what you're in need of, whether you need a down week, whether you need mileage. Now, if you need mileage, maybe you're going to increase the sessions a bit more, um, and you're going to work a lot more aerobically. So it's really hard to pinpoint into one thing because it is sort of ever changing. But yeah, there's a there's a bit of a guideline, bit of a base for sort of things we do. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I think for 800, Elliot Giles is similar, where he, he cross trains a few times a week sessions, and most of the running he's doing is either like quality over quantity, and then he's cross training just to avoid yeah, that exactly. impact, which is obviously working well, for him I, as well. Yeah. It's working for him, and I see, I've seen two different things. But I think Brazier talks about he runs about the most he's ever run is like forty miles a week. Runs about thirty to thirty-five. And now, obviously, he is. I mean, he can run a very good fifteen, but he has sort of been more of a four-eight guy, any or eight-four guy. Um, and he says he's never long run over an hour. I think he's maxed like eight miles. And then on the cross-training side, run yard. I don't really know what like Josh Lay and Jamie Webb trains like, but they're always on the bike. They're always doing sort of bike stuff, um, bike sessions, spinning. So clearly there is some benefit to it. Uh, it's it's good to get it's good to get off off your legs, take a bit away of that pressure, especially if you're someone who has a history of like stress injuries or you, you got a bit of brittle bones like me. It's it's good to switch things up a bit. He's got one yeah. of those Olympico bikes that Elliot Giles rides around on, looking like. Uh, have you seen him? Yeah, I've seen him. I have <laughs> splashing out the cash probably. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's a he's nice athlete, so he's loaded. But you need to, you know, see if you can get. He makes bikes actually, doesn't he? He does, does bikes up. So really? if you can get one on like second hand and send him over, he'll make it all fancy for you. I just see one of them. I see, I see through what me. Miami, Ohio, just for one last time. <laughs> just to... <laughs> so a lot of new looks from all the farmers, man. <laughs> Right. I, I was going to, normally we do the follow-up questions, but because this was a last-minute podcast, we didn't have a chance to get follow-up questions. So instead, I'm just going to stick it with some quick-fire questions here just for, I don't know, just for fun. So these quick-fire, they don't have to be quick-fire, but it's more like just the first thing that comes to your head sort of thing. We're not very professional, so just say what you want, or if it's not quick-fire, I don't care either way. So first one, favourite film? Oh, um, grown up, grown up. I just get grown up. My favorite film was Saving Private Ryan. Oh. I don't know why, but it's a classic. So absolutely classic. You can't sit that around Josh. He's in the Navy, so he's a bit. He's a bit like <laughs> he likes stuff like that. Is that is that the one with Tom Hanks? Is that Saving Private Ryan? Where yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The one with Tom he Hanks. Does, does, is it where like someone snipes? He's in a lot. Where he snipes, he snipers uh, pirates. Yeah, 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 got it. Yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, good film. Who would play you in a film? 
sorry, for anyone who's American, it's movie. We would just say film instead because apparently. <laughs> A moving picture. Who would play me in a moving picture? Um, it would be... I, I I don't know, actually. That's a good one. Tom Hardy? Brian Gosling? Between those two. Oh, I wish. <laughs> if, it, be... if it was... He's dreaming, Finn. Bloody hell. I think I look, I look a bit like Ryan, especially with this blonde hair now. I think, you know, Ryan Gosling, me and him probably look a bit similar. I'm probably a bit better looking, but... I don't know. Be, so Whenever anyone asks me that question, I always say Denzel Washington. And I'm like, yeah, we look similar. You know, he's the man. I'm the man. Right. Bang on, yeah. <laughs> Tom Hardy. Any any other reason particular particular than looks, or is it just pure based off sex appeal? Nah, is he going for them too? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's based off sex appeal. Uh, Tom Hardy's got some absolute classics. Um, I also, I don't know. Like, that's such a... Like, really, you could really deep that question and, like, spend hours, like, trying to figure it out. Spend weeks, like, mapping out, watching movies, seeing who fits you perfectly. But, I mean, you put me on the spot and... Who would you go for? Mind. I'm like, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. Who would I yeah. go for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably <laughs> Harry Styles, because he's an actor. No, I'm joking. I wish. Um, sexiest man alive, isn't he? Um <laughs> Nah, I'd, I'd probably go for J- Dave Franco, I think. Because apparently I used to look like him. Obviously, with my hair like this at the minute, I don't really look like him, but people used to say Dave you Franco. You don't look like him, I'm not going to lie. So, yeah. I'm sorry, Dave, I'm sorry to Dave ruin Franco. it. But... It's not ruining anything. I think he looks a bit like a rat, so it's fine. I hope he's not listening to this podcast. Oh, wait, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks, thanks, yeah. Maybe you could, get, you could get Michael Phelps to play you, uh, possibly. <laughs> Um, <sighs> favorite pre-race I, I meal. I just sense jealousy. Nah, I sense I sense jealousy. Like, I'm sorry, you've never got to experience the being at the front. Yeah, dying in the last forty meters. It's, it's alright. So like, I would never know because I've never been the, I've never been in that position to die. I'm normally the one who's like finishing like a steam train because I haven't committed to the race. Oh, Joe, of course, quite... yeah, no, the, the elite kick. I know it's. <laughs> Unmatched. Yeah, I'd, I'd outkick you. I'd outkick you easily. No, no, I, no question that, about I'd that. that. Oliver Dustin. I'd outkick Oliver Dustin. I'd outkick. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what, happened with, oh, what happened in your last race, mate? I'd be kicking your last. Race. Yeah, but you, you read you. Um, I'm sure you've seen my Instagram caption. It he says unless he's got stitch, Finn. In which case, he's done. It, no, but it, it, it doesn't class as a bad race the if you're DNF. in the game. Joe, what? That's, no, that's the annoying I, I thing. Back that, I back that. It, that's the annoying thing. It is the easy excuse. And that's why it annoys me that it actually happened. I've never got stitched before. And I was like... Oh. No. See, I, I back that because I was having... Um, I still kind of have it. Is that I have some like abdominal issue, which it might be... Um, I had appendicitis when I was younger. And it might be the scar tissue still like attached there agony and i can't use it as an excuse everyone's like oh he's just saying he's got a stitch because he's tired like it's an 8k like yeah i'm tired but i've also got like serum pain like, we need to we need to reverse it where a stitch is like a genuine excuse to dnf because you can't yeah, breathe if the, if the pace picks up and you've got a stitch you can't breathe properly your diaphragm's not working properly it's it's not ideal no. um and it hurts a lot so that's mm. my valid reason to pull it out of a race i'd still outkick everyone else listening to this podcast Definitely with my 158, 800 meter PB. Um, <laughs> so, favorite pre race meal? Um, 
I would go for. I don't know. I normally keep it pretty light, so nothing like pastry, but just like a, a chicken sandwich or something, like a bit of bread to, to keep you a bit full, a bit of chicken in there. Um, out in the US, if as, as long as I've got enough time, I don't mind like Chipotle or something, like a burrito or pre-race, but yeah, just something like a bit of meat, a bit of bread, and anything that's just going to keep me fueled pretty much. It doesn't matter that much of rate, does it really? It's more what you have in between really the heats so. and finals. Yeah, honestly. And I mean, you have you have enough adrenaline and you have enough, you know, whatever to, to get you through a race anyway. If, if you're doing a 10 or 5K, it's a bit different. But for an 8 and 15, I think half some adrenaline can like push you through if you're a bit, uh, if you didn't eat enough during the day. Yeah, that's fair. Um, next question, favourite post-race meal? Um, Basically, what KFC cheap, cheap, yeah, cheap meal. Yeah, yeah KFC in the UK, but, but KFC sucks up. KFC is so bad in the US, I don't understand it. Especially it, when it's Kentucky terrible. Fried Chicken. Um, what? I know, I, I don't understand. So, KFC in the UK, um, uh, Taco Bell in the US. Oh. Is it better than Taco Bell here? Because Taco Bell here is no. quite nice, but it's not. It's not quite elite. I, I haven't. I'm not. I haven't experienced it yet. I know there's like there's only like one in Devon. It's in Plymouth, so it's just like way too far from me. So, I, no comment. Yeah. What football it's team? It's also you not like it's not very good. Um, no, completely random question. Albion. Okay, good. Because Jake Smith supports Reading, no. so I just I just wanted to rub some salt in the wounds yeah, of supporting Reading as well. I, no, I don't get why he supports Reading. I think his dad's a Reading fan, but he's a confused boy. He should be an Exeter fan. He likes changing alliances or like Joe. Like he went to Wales, he went to Wales, came back, selfish reasons obviously, because... and he supports Reading instead of Exeter. So it's kind of poor from him. I know, and you know, if we're gonna keep digging him out, because we may as well. Because this is what annoys me, right? Everyone in the running community, especially like people on your page, adore Jake Smith. They do not even know the half. Like he's a scumbag. He's an absolute scumbag. I know. They're so in the dark about him, and I hope he's listening because I want him to hear this because he knows. Well, would you send him? But this he clip. is not. We should. We should make sure he hears this. I forgot he changed alliances, but he's literally lived in like Cardiff for like two years. Tries to be Welsh. Grew up in Hong Kong for a bit. Never tries to be claim like. Hong Kong alliance, but he might soon. Now he's back to the British team and like claiming he's a Reading fan, but spent his whole life growing up in the same area as me. So I don't know where that comes from. So I mean, and he's just like, he's just, he's, you know, what, I'm not even going to dig him out just because I don't want to ruin his reputation. I don't want to say certain it's things. Like... I don't want to ruin his reputation. Yeah. When when he when he flops in the trials and comes fourth behind Mo, Mark Scott and Sam Atkin, he's gonna be like, Oh, this Hong Kong passport's looking quite nice. And then just quickly <laughs> Exactly switch over. Um no, switch up, I know. He is he is a nice lad actually. I love Jake Smith to be fair. So I can't I can't dig yeah, him out is, too much. Is. But he is a scumbag. But um I do want everyone to know before we move on, when me and him used to train together, I did used to beat him in K reps. So Based on that logic, I think I'm in about 27 minute 10k shape. Can't argue with it. Should do a half marathon, sub 60, pretty I easy. I, I think I could. If he can run 16 minutes, 30 seconds, 
and I was better than him on a couple of sessions five years ago. Well, it's logical. It's logical. You beat him in that cross country race, Alf, and all of a sudden now you think you can run a sub two ten marathon. So, well, no, I, I I could run a sub two ten marathon, but also yes, I did beat him in that cross country race. Um, next question: favorite music or musical artist or song? Um, I'm gonna get digged out as being too mainstream, but I'd be lying if I didn't say Drake. I mean. He just is. He's my favorite artist, I'd say. Uh, yeah, rap, favorite genre. Again, if I was to say your favorite UK artist, it'd be Dave. So I'd be digged out for being too mainstream there anyway. So either way, it's a lose lose situation. But he says, for the pic, Al's got, yeah. for those who are listening to this podcast, Alf has got a picture <laughs> of Dave on his wall. Like Wait. An absolute fangirl. You are going to have to do an audio description for me, Josh. So just describe it for the podcast listeners. Um, just because I'm going to go off the mic for a second. So here's one. It's, well, it's just a picture that's framed on his wall with just a weird picture of Dave. Has he got no eyes? He's got no that eyes. But, but like, honestly, uh, Alf is the biggest Dave fan. So you've literally, he's, you've sent him into a flat spin now. Look, there he is, another picture of Dave. It's quite uh, cute, really. I'm gonna cry actually. I'm trying to find. I've got. Oh, never mind. I found it. So he's literally going around his room at the moment, showing you, showing us all the pictures. Is that still in the wrapper? Oh my! It's still in the wrapper. It's still in that's tragic. Yeah, I am the There's biggest Dave fan. No, you're just tragic. There's not even. <laughs> he is tragic, isn't he? He has a picture like that on the wall. Are you like twelve? Yeah, exactly. Just because I know all his songs off by heart. That's that's one thing. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Getting what, what? the DVD and keeping it in his wrap—that's—that's not—that's not acceptable. You want to hear the story that Alf will tell you about when he went to Dave's concert and he's convinced that Dave winked? No, it? no, he didn't. You pointed at me. You pointed at me. This is no. This is not like it was a big. It's not like it's a big concert. It was like a there was like a mosh pit. But I went with my girlfriend, so we were on like a mezzanine, and he, he did point at me because we were just bopping. Um, but <laughs> at you. Enough about me. What's your favorite Dave no, song? Since that you said. Next, you're gonna say you were you were Alex from Glasgow. He called you up to the stage or something. That's what you're gonna ah. come up with soon, aren't you? I hate Alex from Glasgow. I Glasgow. I hate him. I bet he wasn't even a Dave fan. I hate him. Oh, of course. Scumbag. Uh, favorite Dave song is. He's got. I feel like he's got. It'd be the same with Drake, honestly. He's got too many like different sort of vibes, but probably Panic Attack. I'd go. Yeah. It's a great song. It is a great song. It's probably up there with one of my favourites, along with the whole of the Psychodrama album, along with the whole of the Six Paths album. Uh, yeah, what's your favourite? My favourite Dave the song. biggest Dave fan. Right, so my favourite, this Before is great podcast content. Discussion, I'm just going to say my favourite is Leslie. Over to you. That's weird. Um, the lyrics are amazing. Personal favourite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Personal favourite is How I Met My Ex. I don't think it's the best song out of them, but it's my favourite because of emotional value. Um, personal favourite, though, I'd probably say Panic Attack as well, or Revenge. Mm. Or... Oh, there's so many. There's so many. Revenge is the most bars in, so I don't know. But this isn't a Dave See, podcast. You... Well, it could be. We could make it one. We could okay, yeah. Let's carry on talking about Dave. What what were you gonna say there? Well, it, I was I was gonna say you know if you're if you're gonna keep bringing up my swimming antics, 
you would know that revenge was on that on that Instagram video of me dying at the end. So was it? I'll back that as well. I like that. I like that video now. I'm gonna watch it and just give a people a quick <laughs> a quick preview of revenge as well. Um, exactly. Chat amongst yourselves. What video? Well, what video is this? What, what from my 2019 season? I put, I put, I made a little video, put revenge on it, and it just finishes me. Oh, he's found it. Incredible finish. Okay, so your favorite artist is Dave because Drake's too mainstream. So we'll go with Dave on that one. Um, who's your running crush? So transitioning away from my crush, which is Dave or Harry Styles, to your running crush. Who, who would you say that is? See, I know yours before I know mine. That's an issue. Um, Go on, man. I feel like you would actually look like her. <laughs> Wait, oh, female? No, I was going to say yours is Craig Engels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Male, definitely Craig Engels. Or Jakob. No, I, no. <laughs> I've got you can female. Say, Wait, no, I know yours is, uh, like, is it, uh, MacArthur? What? What are you on uh, about? No. 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 Uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember her first name, but you know what I'm on about. Nah, I don't know. You're I, not have, I don't know that. I, I do. It's not Rachel MacArthur. <laughs> yeah. Yours is Sydney McLaughlin. Your running crush. Oh, that is it. You know, but she's like a sprint crush. It's not. I'm not what I'm after. Yeah, Male and female geez. running crushes. Uh, run, female runners aren't my thing. I'm not gonna lie. Female runners just male runners. The more you think. Like. And males are definitely males are my thing. Females are not my thing. That's what I meant to say. Males are my thing. Male running crush. Uh, um, do you know what? This is going to be a very out there one, but I just find his Instagram unintentionally hilarious, and he's also a bit of a, a freak of nature. Michael Bob. is something oh. else. Bertie Bob. Uh, I'm, I'm not on the Bertie Bob train. Sorry. That mustache is pickle, man. Not for me. <laughs> so who did you say? Yeah. Michael Cerrini. Why have I he don't is, have a clue who he is? Why? He is oh. the 800 collegiate record holder, and he kind Cerini. of he ran 143. He's the 600 meter indoor record holder, world record holder. He had a bit of a, a bit of a last down to his. His Instagram is just unintentionally funny. He'll just post pictures, and then he'll like Photoshop glasses in front of him. I don't know. It's just. <laughs> I'm gonna. I was went. I went mainstream with my my music artist. So I had to go. I had to go out there indie with my uh, running answer. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Then I was trying to think of mine like a, a male one because it's Craig Angles, but like I feel like Craig is too mainstream. Um, yeah, I think I'd say, I'd say maybe maybe Ben Crawford. Ben Crawford's my uh, running crush. He's, He's not a proper runner. Run. Yeah, he does. Didn't you see him do that 200 meters? Didn't you see him do that 200 meters last last summer? I won't lie. I don't watch any of their videos. All right, Charles Hicks. Charles um, Hicks. I'm anti Oregon. That is poor. For yeah, me. but he's he's fake English. He's fake English. No, he's fake American. No, he's, he's got an American accent. I've heard. Yeah, because he fakes it. He's he fakes fake it. No, nah, he fakes his American <laughs> accent. If he's listening to this, he needs that. He needs to sort his alliances out with Jake Smith as well. They're both in the same wave. He he's either. Yeah, they would. He needs to get a British accent because then he grew up there. If he did, he needs to get a British accent, or he just needs to be American. He supports Fulham. I don't want to hear no in between. What? Fulham. That's poor. That's oh, it'd be great if he got it. This went down this week, didn't it? 
He, well, yeah, but he's, he's lived he's lived in the UK more than he's lived in America, and his accent is pure American. It's so strange. <laughs> exactly. But when he gets a chance to compete in the Euros, he's straight back over. I don't know. Just just back you can run 10,000 metres faster than you. That's why, that's why he's doing that. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, I was going to say, Finn could probably run 10,000 meters faster than me as well. <laughs> and that's, that's half of that is doing backstroke. So um, what's your favourite workout other than maybe 20 times 50 metre freestyle? <laughs> Yeah, it's normally a pretty good one. Um, uh, I'd say one that I really enjoyed, I haven't done it in like two years, but it was one of like the first real intense workouts I did here. Um, we did two by 800 as a bit of a warm up, like 210 pace, two by 200 at like 27s. It, it doesn't feel casual. Two by 27, 200s at 27s. To you know, again, warm up a bit. Six hundred at one nineteen, like one nineteen point one as well. And this was back in like two thousand nineteen when my PR was like one fifty, like still. So one nineteen was like killed me. It, it put me in a it put me in a hole. I think we had like eight to ten minutes off. My legs were still like pumping lactic, and then four hundred in like. The two boys I was doing it with, they went like 53, 52. I made it through 200 and crawled. So it kind of fits well in with your backstroke. But that was honestly like race. That was like race realistic session. Like you're pretty much maxing out on these efforts and then just going again. It was just good fun. So I'd want to do that again to see if I can complete it. But that was, that's been my favorite session I've done in a while, I think. Yeah, I think doing those sessions when you've got lactic before a rep starts is one of the worst feelings ever. Like, I've, it is. I, it really one, is. One of my speed sessions is K8642, all of them flat out, which I know what you think is a bit crazy that, like, um, and obviously the K and 8 speak for themselves, like a K and 8 flat out with eight, it's eight, eight minutes recovery between everything. And I think once I got down to the 200 and did a 33 second 200 after eight minutes recovery, that's how bad my lactic was. And I was just there that's dying. Impressive. That's some closing speed. It is. That's some. Do you know what that is? That's some. That's some fifty meter freestyle speed at the end of a race. I mean, Michael Phelps could probably get close to that as well. Something. <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty sure Tom Bosworth could probably walk that faster. But I think he you, know, you could probably do a three hundred faster than that at this rate. Won't be far off. 30, 30, what, what do you reckon you could do for three hundred? Thirty five, thirty four, I don't know. Three hundred is such a weird distance. Like. I could, I've done 36. So, I don't pretty know. Much, pretty much my 200 pace after that session, then. That's fair. No, it but is. Like, it's pretty much, it's like you max 200 and then just run through. I want to know what my, I'll look at what my uh, 300 and that 400 was. You're, you're joking, so, Alfred. Like, you are joking, like, but that actually is my 200 pace. <laughs> 30, 34, 30. No, maybe not 34, but like. Nah, you could run, you could run a 29 if your life depended on it, I reckon. If I was being chased by like somebody who's gonna kill me, maybe, maybe a hundred eight. But measure out be, beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Can you wait a second? Let me just get my Garmin started. Sorry, can you just let, <laughs> yeah. let me just get my Coros Pace Two started. I meant to say. I apologize. <laughs> not, not Garmin's. We don't like Garmin's here. Strava really gonna really gonna want to see this one if I hit twenty nine. 
could get a segment. It'll be worth it. Imagine that. You could yeah. title it. Like, there's people who title their Strava stuff. Do you title your Strava stuff before I ask? Do you... What do you mean? Do you, like, put descriptions like, and titles actually, in your runs, or is it always afternoon run, morning run? What do you do? Uh, it's, it's, like, 80% title, 20% I can't be asked. What's wrong with titling? What's wrong with titling? What is wrong? You're not supposed to title like, your Stravas. I'm, I'm pulling up your Strava right now. The only I time know... I ever... No, the only time I ever title a Strava... I don't Strava, even follow you, so... Well, ah, oh, well, sorry. The only time I ever title a Strava is I've done a really good session and I want to be like, yeah, look at that. Um, and that's the only time no, I just title Stravas. Why? I, I'm not this is coming a... from the one who has a thousand followers and does all, like, I, you have all your mileage up there. I'm not, I'm not hiding anything. Not. Well, you are because you're not putting descriptions in. Oh, sorry. Do you want me to say how it felt, what precipitation it was, humidity? No, I just want to see what. <laughs> no, I want to see like what the session was. That's what I want to see. Session and splits. I don't put like how I was feeling. Okay, I'll I've do got that. Got another running log for that. Oh, oh sorry. But yeah, you right. tra- training peaks. No, it's uh, running to win. Great website. Super detailed. So why are you on it? So, sorry, I don't understand. What do you mean? <laughs> running to come second or running, running to medal, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, two. There's a, there's a two in it. It fits me perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, I feel mean. Obviously, I am joking. People might think I'm being serious because... Um, Speaking of scumbag. Shut up. Least favourite workout is what is my next question I wanted to ask. Um, I've Again, they're becoming less of my least favourite workouts, but... Something I never did, well, I may have did, but I can't even remember doing them until I got here is like just uh, LTs, like lactic threshold run. So like here we'll do like eight mile LTs. So you, they, just, they just suck. I think I've only just started to like getting to the point where I can finish like five mile LTs. It, you're going like five, whatever, 40 pace down to like 450 pace. And it's just, it's not for me. It's not for me. So how do you run your... LTs, guys do threshold, like threshold pace stuff, but it's like constant. So like I do the yeah, first rep, it, same as I do the last rep that kind of thing. Oh, right. Um, we're more cut down here. So yeah. we'll normally ease into it and then cut down by the last mile should be your quickest mile. Which for me, it normally is like my third mile is my quickest mile. I don't die on my fourth and my fifth and then I, I give up at a six. So that's fair. Yeah, LTs. It's not, it's not the best threshold runs is horrible because if you go if you just in that pace goes a tiny bit quicker you just get lactic it's not nice oh yeah it's probably my second least favorite training after vo2 max like vo2 max just is the worst yeah yeah but then you can kind of cut you can kind of have a bit of recovery on the vo2 max sessions i feel like the lts are always just continuous oh see for my vo2 max sessions i have like like 600 V2 max pace, 30 seconds rest, 600 at V2 max pace, and then a bigger rest. So that 30 seconds rest is just nothing. And like you breathe so heavily. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It goes by and like, you look at your watch and you're like, ah, oh, you got to go already. I hate it. I hate it. Um, and the last question I have, because again, somehow we've ended up almost running out on our time, even though I said I was only going to ask a few more questions. Um, do you have anyone to call out? At all or anyone to anything to say i know you already called out jake smith but is there anyone else you want to speak uh, to oh yeah no yeah yeah there is actually um 
the man, the, 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 well, the person that everyone thinks is the man, Mr. Evert Schmolders. He, me and him are actually going to be finally racing in two weeks. Um, and it, it's going to be an easy win. I don't even know why he thinks he can race me, but he, he's claiming he's going to do the 800 at the East Region. And I hope he's in my race. I hope he's in one of the, you get two races. So I hope he's in, I hope he's in both those races. He, he, honestly, he needs to, he needs to know his place. Like, I mean, Westfly over, over Tin Man, but Schmolders needs to calm down. Simmer down. He does need to simmer down. He does Leave. need to simmer down. He is the most American I'm... person I've ever met in my life. He's oh, actually I... hilarious. I actually really, I find him funny as anything, but. I'm so keen for this. I hope, I hope he's in your race now. You're gonna you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get called out on Westfly Instagram mate as well. As soon as you to this, you're gonna be the Finley beat and McClear man. That is what you're gonna be known. I know. About. I am the next. I'm the next Bayer male. He's gonna. I'm gonna have all this like 14 year old <laughs> Southern Republican American little kids coming after me now. I quite, I really <laughs> like him. I don't agree with some things he no. says, but I really do like Everett Smallers. <laughs> I I found him cringy at the start. Just I think honestly, I found him cringy because I find everything here cringy as well. Like not just him in particular; it's just America's cringy. But like the more I just see his stuff, he just makes me laugh. Like I don't know if it's intentionally. I don't know if he's serious or not yet. I still can't tell if he's serious, even he's if he is or if he isn't. He's serious. I think he's like half joking. I think he's. I don't want to ruin his act. But do, but do you know now he's being controlled? Like Ole Miss, I think, have said, like, you can't you can't do the things you were doing before. I actually prefer his yeah, content now. He's just making videos. It just seems better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see. I yeah, think they see that. Videos as, as well. I mean, he did one with Alan Webb, didn't he, like, last week? And it's, it's yeah. got views. So he's, he's killing it. I just think he says some things what probably are a bit questionable. That's just a, like... Because well, uh, I was down in I was down at Ole Miss like a month ago now, and like in the middle of their town, it's just like a remembrance statue for all the um, the uh, whatever the the, uh, the South, the what are Southern Southern soldiers called? Confederacy. Confederacy. That's it. There's there's a Confederacy statue like remembering all of those who who are fallen or something like that. It's insanity. <laughs> like, so. <explain> <laughs> It does explain a lot, but no, I'll, I'll give him, before this ends, I will give him his props. He's funny. He makes good content, and it's good for the sport. You know, it. there's no such thing as bad press, right? So True. keep doing what he's doing, but I just, you know, he, he talks a big game, so I'm just going to, I'm going to make sure I smoke him in two weeks. So seeing as though it doesn't matter how you race, what are those race tactics? Going out hard, holding on? Just running, running through the line, or are you gonna sit and kick just to state your dominance? Um, first round, probably just you know, try use minimal effort. Obviously, two races in three days is never gonna be easy. Who knows what second round? Maybe I'll just go full Max Bergen and one forty four. See what I got. <laughs> that I don't think I don't think that there's not many of us that can go full Max Bergen and just solo whatever whatever you want to run just take it out on a 51 and hold that so i'll probably do what i do every single race sit in the pack and kick i mean you, you can say it's like sometimes i get in my head i'm like oh, you know what today's the day i'm gonna take it out i'm gonna really go hard and solo it and just like see what's in me but it just doesn't happen i just sit in the pack and, and kick so i think it's probably what's gonna happen 
I think because of 800, you never really wanted to just risk it unless you are Max Bergen or David Radisha because you're just going to blow up with lactic. Yeah. If, if you risk it and you're like, oh, I've just, I've just missed my chance to qualify for nationals because I tried doing something different. It's a bit... Exactly. And, I, you know, I'm, I think I'm like third in the NTA ranked at the minute and first in the East. So it'd be pretty embarrassing not making the national meet just because I thought I could copy Max Bergen. So I'm probably going to play a save. That's fair enough. Right. Um, Zoom's about to kick us off again. So I thank thank you for coming on. And Josh, do you have any closing words? And you can close the podcast off as well. Because it says we've got less than a minute left. Thanks for coming on, Finn. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Thanks for you having me on, boys. Um, even if it was Alfie and not Rory. It... Oh, come on now. <laughs> it was all right. It was all right. It, was, it, it could have been better. You know what? It could have been better, but... Tell me the last podcast Rory was on and then come back. All right. Okay. It's a bit of a Yeah, that's why he should have come on just for me. All right. Sorry. Next week, I'll, I'll invite you back and get a proper host. Uh, we'll get Rory on Thank instead you. of Josh because I know he's a, bit, he's a bit old and useless. So, no, 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 it's fine. Josh can stay. Just put yeah, you out for Rory and okay. this will be the perfect podcast. Brilliant. As you say, the title of this podcast is going to get some listens. Call, listen, calling out Jake Smith and Everett Smolders is going to get about 10,000 listens. I uh, know the, the running community is going to hate me, but I just have to. I'm telling the truth. I'm doing what Smolders are doing. I'm telling the truth. That's the thing. Before we end this, I'm just telling the truth like Smolders claims. I'm just calling out all these fake, loved, adored runners in our community and showing them for what they really are. I was hoping you were going to get cut off then by Zoom, but you didn't. So I have to, I'm going to have to leave it now. <laughs> Yeah, go and follow Finley McClear on Instagram. Well, in fact, no, I won't leave it in the description. You can find it yourself. All right, (laughs) cheers. This podcast was brought to you by Right Track Sports. If you're looking to extend your athletics career or to get into the NCAA, then Right Track Sports can help you. Visit rtrecruit.com or head to their Instagram page at righttrack underscore sports to learn more. Thanks for listening.